Blog Talk Radio. in between. Live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi, everybody. I'd like to welcome the listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show, and I'm your host, Shaw McCain. My show was created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow me on The Paranormal and the Sacred on Facebook for any upcoming events and special speakers from around the world, and I'm happy to say we are translating to many different languages for our listeners outside the country. We call in number tonight to call in with your questions in the second half of the show, and also to call in to just listen from your phone. So it's 619-924-9744, and The Paranormal and the Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During this show, I can take questions in order and chat, and you can call in with your questions speak with our special guest tonight. Any buzz killers and chatter on the phone, it would be recorded, and I'm politely uh, ask you to leave. And please play nice, and no buzz kills. And I want to let you guys know that all the prayers for our, our beloved Dr. John Elias has to work. He's home resting peacefully and recovering from his surgery, and he's doing quite well, and I'm just so happy and thankful for all of them and his friendship, and uh, we all love him very much. So thank you so much. He is in recovery. And I have a couple of uh, announcements to make. September 20th, CRO, CRO International, featuring researcher Grant Cameron is coming up September the 20th. It's on a Saturday. And the show is from 7 p.m. to 10.30 p.m., and the doors open at 6.30. And it's at the Veterans Memorial Complex in the Garden Room. It's four. 117 Overland Avenue, Culver City, California, and the zip for that is 90230. And the topics are going to be the chosen and what I have learned from them. So Grant Cameron is an excellent speaker. He's been on our show, and we love him very much, and it's going to be awesome. We're also also meeting over at a, the Jerry's Famous Deli on the 19th. That's the Friday before at 930. He'll be coming in from Canada, and we're all going to meet for some a bite to eat. So if you want directions, let me know if you want to go and just uh, message me on Facebook. And the, let's see, what else is coming up here? You know, you better start saving your bucks and also uh, let uh, Yvonne Smith, uh, let, let her know that uh, you intend to go to the big party we have every Christmas, December 13th. It's a serial international holiday party. And it's aboard that haunted Queen Mary in Long Beach and it starts at 7 p.m. You know what? It's a beautiful night. We all have a bunch of fun, and it's just just great. So contact Yvonne Smith about reservations. Okay, so the dinner has gone up this year, but it's well worth it. It's a beautiful dinner uh, and a beautiful dessert, but it's 60 bucks each, okay, but it's for Christmas. And if you want a gift, so bring something in value of $30 or more for the gift exchange. And if you bring a present, you get a present. It's just that. It's just our party for the year. And tonight we have a very, very special guest, and um, she's an awesome person and very kind and loving on her own. 
but she's also um, a uh, psychic medium and medical intuitive and Reiki master, and she has quite a uh, bio, and I'm going to read you some of it. Pamela Lafredo is a former New York County, Maine, MUFON State Section Director and Field Investigator, appointed by Leland Budetto, Maine MUFON State Director, in 1992. She has been a research specialist in the field of ufology and extraterrestrial visitation for over 30 years. After a series of close encounters, sightings in the Hudson Valley region of New York State, which is so strange, and I, and I hope she mentions that and reminds me that, because I actually lived in Poughkeepsie right along the Hudson when I was a kid. Anyway, during a UFO wave of activity in the early 80s, Pamela has come to discover that she has been a contactee experiencer since the age of four. Sightings and contacts continue to vary manifestation, including a UFO flyover of a current residence on August 8, 2010, with a sighting of a spacecraft with two other witnesses present. Leaving the traditional medical profession in 97, having served as a physician's assistant for over 17 years, Pamela is employed as a professional psychic, medium, medical, intuitive, healing channel, and Reiki master teacher at Leaping Lizards Holistic Center in Portland, Maine. And she does do uh, private sessions, and she does it over the phone, and uh, I think she even Skypes. But anyway, she's also the host of radio show Star Sea Essential through the Starborn Support Radio Show Network, and it just, which has just won several awards in the field of paranormal ufology, including Best New Radio Show for 2014. She is on air every other Sunday evening from 9.30 to 10 p.m. And Pamela's also recently appeared on local PBS television with host Gloria Nye of Spirits, Mediums, and Things That Go Bump in the Night. Pamela's currently working on her first publication, Medicine for the New Humanity. And let me see if we have her on board. I think I see her. Okay. Pamela, is this you? I am here. Hey, Pam. Hi, can you hear me? Hi, yeah, we can hear you really great, and uh, you're live with Paranormal and the Sacred. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Great. I just uh, read your bio, and it's very impressive, and uh, uh, to me, you sound like a natural healer, and to uh, let our listeners know a little bit about you, uh, can you tell us like where you were raised and how you were born and where you got your gifts and things like that? Okay, well, I was born and raised in New Rochelle, New York, and pretty much raised in East Chester and New Rochelle most of my life. And when I turned around 29, I had been married at that point and had my first child. He was about a year and a half. And me and my at-the-time husband were trying to get a transfer somewhere in New England where we traveled on our honeymoon for two weeks all through New England. Um, and went antiquing and decorated our new home with antiques. And we, just, we just fell in love up here, and we wanted to be up here. So we tried to get a transfer in the post office for like three years. We were about to give up, and then Portland, Maine, out of all the places we could have ended up, we ended up in Maine, and we loved it here when we traveled here. So it was kind of interesting. But this is where I belong, no doubt about it, at least for now. At least for the, I've been here now 21 years. Wow. Um, they they misquoted in the journal over the weekend, the CE5 and all the work that we were all over the paper, but they misquoted my time in Maine. They said two years. I told them it was 21. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's I'm a long time in Maine. Really longer than that. So almost as long as I've been in New York at this point, I'm going on 22 years. So um, love it here and just 
had a good childhood. My parents were divorced when I was quite young, and that was traumatizing to me in a big way. Plus, of course, I had all the other crazy things going on to boot, so I always had a feeling when I was young that I just never felt safe. Um, and yet I was very aware of beings that spoke to me and let me know that I would always be safe and that no harm would ever come to me, and I believed them. And so far, knock on wood, they've been right. I mean, I've had some bumps along the way, but uh, nothing really, really anything I couldn't overcome, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Right. Well, there's, you know, there's the, I think that's what makes the, people uh, more, well, since you're sensitive anyway, uh, that uh, pain is actually what propels you as a being a better psychic and able to uh, see into other people's pain, because I think that's a lot of what the healing and what you're doing is about, don't you? Absolutely. I have a very strong Chiron placement in my natal chart, which is the wounded healer, and I have Chiron in Pisces in the seventh house. If anybody knows about that placement, in the seventh house even, it literally is a bridge for, you know, other dimensional realities to merge with Earth, other intelligences to be the bridge, to be like the intermediator of, yeah, other races introducing them to Earth. That is exactly what I'm doing. But I am like the wounded healer, which is what Chiron is. (laughs) That makes a hell of a lot of sense to me. Um, You know, how can you really heal the wounded if you don't really know what it's like to really feel the wounds? You know, you have to really hurt deeply and love deeply, and uh, that's not a bad thing. It's not always fun, but you know what I mean, so. Yeah, I do. And um, when did you, did you feel like that you inherited your gifts, that that somewhere else in the family along your lineage, that they had these uh, certain gifts that you have? You know, my grandmother, when I was growing up, when we'd go to the boardwalk in New Jersey, she always get her palm red. She always believed in that. She always did. Um, she was an Italian in New York, you know, old school, you know, very much. But she always believed in that kind of stuff, truly. And when I called her up, because I lived in the building next door, when I was having a sighting one night, I told her, I'm going to go up on the roof and try to get a better look. This thing is, like, too obvious. I don't know if you can see it from your angle, because where she was, but it was right there in the sky. That was one of my sightings in New York. Um, and she, I said, well, I'm going up on the roof to get a better look. And she says, don't do that. I hear they take people. <laughs> oh, my God. I say to her at that point, I said, <laughs> well, whatever, I'm going up there. You know, I mean, I already knew at that point that, um, you know, some things were happening with me and them, and uh, my grandmother didn't really know about it. It wasn't really anything. I, I wouldn't go that far with her. I was big enough that I said, look out the window, can you see the ship up in the sky? Because, I mean, you know, she, she was a little yeah. bit of ways away, but not far enough that I thought maybe she might see it. But anyway, that was just one ship sighting. So, yeah, you know, I've been having um, very unusual experiences from far back as I can remember. And I think that there's a combination of things. You know, it's like who I am and was meant to be, how I'm wired. And I, it's not just about DNA. It's soul energy. It's, you know, what I came down here to do as far as the mission. I really do believe people can laugh at me. That's fine. You know, people have laughed at me on and off most of my life. And that's well, fine. I'm not going to laugh at you in our show. This is what we're about. So we're really I eager could, to hear everything about it. I speak the truth. And I have been told more than once from more than one star race, that I am a bridge and that it has to do with service to 
to the Galactic Federation, like a bigger council on behalf of, you know, an intermediator type thing, yes, where it's like an ambassadorship of communications. Everything I do involves communicating. Uh, everything I do, just everything. I've even had a lot of experiences involving ET where they've done healings on my throat. Um, you know, and can you imagine being brought here to speak and yet there's not a whole lot of people that really want to hear what you have to say, you know. Uh, either they know that they can't be honest around you or they have to be honest around you and for some people that's too difficult. You know, I'm unpopular because I can see through people and their uh, intent. You know, I can feel them. I can feel their authenticity or their lack of authenticity. So, you know, I pick my friends well and, you know, I've, I've had the best friends this planet ever has ever seen. I can't even believe how many amazing friends and people that I have in my life. It's unbelievable. Uh, but I have to say, you know, in the male department, I've always had issues, and I'm starting to figure out why. Um, more and more I'm seeing um, along the way a lot of, you know, lack of enlightenment, lack of truth, uh, just not willing to be with somebody that, you know, can see what I do, and they can't handle that to some degree. It's been difficult. So that's always been difficult, having to go through all this stuff and having no real real true partner to share it with. Uh, you know, you, you got to watch what you say to people. They'll run away, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yes, like and, well, I think that what's happening is that it, you probably, I believe in a true love and that, then when you it's like there's the, your uh, twin flame and you're split apart and then they call it many things, and I think that there is a like a facsimile, you know, like a fact. <laughs> there's a reasonable facsimile, and there's a lot of those around near to it, but not quite it. But I do feel that you will find it, and I feel like that it's going to be an incredible person because you're an incredible person. I can see well, how many you. people you're helping that feel so so much better after they've been for, to you for healing or reading or anything else. And so uh, I have to give you your props on that. But then I think the double-edged sword of, let's say, even if it's, let's say, a warrior or a Shaw man or a Shaw woman or anything like that, there is that path of uh, emotional pain that they have to go through and that it renders you into a real human. That is the way I feel about it. What I say is that no matter the pain, that is the initiation of a warrior, of a Sundance warrior, which, if anything, in my heart and soul, I dance for the people. I'm here for everybody else. You know? I mean, I yeah. expect a little fun out of this life a little bit here and there, but at the same time, it's always right back to business and what I know I have to do. I feel very compelled to do it. Um, it's not a burden to me by any stretch. I enjoy it. it, it I thrive in it, uh, as you can see. Like you said a minute ago, I don't know where you're getting your feedback from when you said that you've heard about readings and healings or whatever, but... Um, well, what is it is that we have a lot of the same friends. We have a lot of the yeah, same friends, and then I read their comments and stuff like that, and and also that um, you're just very well regarded overall. Well, that's, you know, that's important to me, too, because if I'm not really helping anybody, then I need to find a new profession. Exactly. <laughs> uh, really. <laughs> Dang! Oh, so, yeah, because a healer does have to heal and help. So, uh, do you want to? Because uh, I want to get into the other stuff because we have plenty of time to talk about everything. But um, do you want to tell us uh, what you use and uh, you know who were your mentors and uh, 
and what was your training and things like that? Because we're all very interested in, um, you know, how people and mediums, psychic mediums work. Okay, well, first off, I really believe that everyone and everything is my teacher, and I'm quite the witness and observer. I don't miss anything. Anybody that knows me will tell you that knows me well knows they can't get past me. Uh, if they're talking to me and they're looking in my eyes, uh, they better be telling me the truth, and they better be going somewhere that washes with me because they know I'll see right through it. And, you know, again, it helps so many people that want to be helped that, you know, that's what my teacher taught me. He called me out on my doo-doo Every single time he saw me sitting in it, he just did. And he did it in the most loving way. I have to say, he even told me, he's like, You're, you've got like more warrior kind of power than me. My teacher, Tom Lamb, was so pure-hearted. Mm-hmm. He reminded me a whole lot of my other teacher, Dr. Joshua David Stone out of California, Mount Shasta area. And his, at the time, wife was Stancia Stone. They were a huge influence on all the ascension work I was doing as well as a lot of other people at the time, the work I was doing um, back in the late 80s, 90s, and, you know, ongoing, of course, but I was really into it then. I was actually at the 2001 WESAC Festival with them um, in Mount Shasta with a crowd of like 250 or so people doing ascension meditations and activations. Joshua announced that day, that um, he can't tell us much, but he will tell us there's going to be some humongous life event in September. And that's all he was permitted to tell us. And you know what oh, happened Yeah, I do know. Yesterday, did you, uh, so tell me, so he told you that, and how long after uh, did the incident happen? The 911 is what we're talking about now. That was in May of 2001 at the WESAC Festival, the, heart, the uh, WESAC Full Moon. Um, that's connected to, uh, in Ascension, you know, some really powerful uh, places that, you know, some people believe exist in an, on other higher planes, um, like Luxor, where, you know, some Ascended Masters are doing, you know, training on other levels. Um, you know, you got to understand, if I, if I had to figure out the whole ET connection thing, you know, out of all the research I've done over 30 years of research, whether it's scientific or whether it's, you know, looking at the whole consciousness things of these beings, what their intent may be, and it's not one thing, I'm sure there's many reasons why they would interact with us. For one, they can, so, and I'm sure there's other reasons. Um, beyond that, you know, it's always been the wondering, is are they really coming from another planet? Are they us in the future? Is this a future thing, dimensional thing? You know, there may be more to this than just the idea that they're from outer space somewhere. Because, you know, too many people have said, well, how can they get there from, you know, here from there? Uh, you know, you're looking at a warp speed or you're looking at wormholes or you're looking at some other way of entering, and maybe it's dimensional. You know, maybe they lay literally right on the edge of our dimension to some degree when you think about an overlapping dimension. When one ends, another begins. There's a space right there with a kind of touch and some people can pass in, in and out of them and permeate them and move through them. And, uh, you know, ET moves people through walls. You know, that's an upgrade in your vibration. Whenever you raise your vibrational frequency, you become less dense. So you would be able to move through solid physical matter. Um, you know, that is a scientific thing. And then, you know, you can get to the point where you can literally make yourself invisible, dematerialize uh, at will with the power of your mind. They can use technology for that, but... 
I believe that, you know, the power of the mind is powerful. I know that. I've walked on fire. I'm a fire walker, and that taught me about transcendence, that it's all in our mind that we can't do such things because we all proved that night that we absolutely can do such things. So that was huge for me. That made it real for me back in, that was 1995. Um, going into 1996, it was New Year's Eve that we did that here in Maine um, with a group of people walking on fire a New Year's Eve event. <laughs> that made the news back in the day, too. You know, something to yeah. go out, out on New Year's Eve, people walking on fire, you know. And we That's did. Cool. Only a couple of people, you know, had a problem. A few people got a few blisters, but nothing, nobody got, like, wounded or anything like that. So it can't, Well, it, they didn't just, stop. They didn't have to keep going so they don't get burnt. Well, <laughs> no, you don't want to stop for sure. They tell you, don't stop, keep going. <laughs> Once you hit That's the fire, right. you I'm going, and you just keep focusing forward. Yeah, you if you hesitate, you're going to get fried. <laughs> you have to have an of focus for that, you know. They tell you when you approach the fire, you have to ask it and honor it and ask it, is it okay to walk? And if you have any hesitancy or anything like that, they tell you go back to the line, back of the line and try again. Um, you know, it's not a joke. It's not an ego trip. You really are trying to... Um, work with the elements, the forces of nature, and show that when you become one with them and you don't fear fire or judge it as bad um, and see it the way we've always taught to fear it, um, it's, it's a huge um, important element that we need here. So when, when we were taught that in a workshop beforehand, to look at it a different way, perceive it, and, and see it in a whole new light and become one with it, understand the need for it. You wouldn't be here without it. And so then it becomes a little different when you look at things a different way. Uh, then there's something that is like, wow, all right, so now we can love that fire and not fear it. So how can it hurt us? Anything you don't fear can't harm you. Yeah, that's right. That. And, you just have the, and plus you have the, uh, when you're doing that firewalk, you have the power of the group, and it helps encourage you to keep going. And, you know, I, I just love all that. And it's a, to me it's a, it's a test. It's a uh, to, it's also like a visual test of courage that I think helps you subconsciously see and spiritually. I think that's what fireworking is about. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I've had way too many fire initiations throughout my um, <laughs> work, work career. That seems to be my thing. Um, between the Reiki attunements and giving them all the time as a master teacher for 21 years, uh, yeah. always working with the Raku, with fire energy, Beyond that, I've had a near-death experience involving fire back in 2012, right after experience one, in which I was a speaker. I was also a speaker in the second one. This year I got bumped, but whatever, I'm not mad. <laughs> we had Perhaps. some of the best speakers this year. Oh, boy, what a time. Wait till I tell you about that. Yeah, definitely. and uh, I, I wanted to, uh, yeah, do you want to talk about it now? You can talk about it. We can go back and forth. Okay. Well, yeah, and feel free to, like, ask whatever you want. Um, pick okay. my brain, and uh, if I can't answer it, I'm sure that uh, somebody out there can. <laughs> anyway, um, oh, God, where to begin? You know, we knew up and coming that this one was going to jet. We just felt the buildup like no year before this. It just keeps getting bigger and growing. We were excited that we had so many countries participating this year and more and more states getting involved. Um, we really got the word out this year, I think, more than ever, and everybody else is passing on uh, the word just because of the experiences that they have had there already. Um, so it was a wonderful weekend. 
Um, it just was like a family reunion. <laughs> you know, a lot of these people I get to see regularly at the meetings and stuff every month that are from here. Um, there right. are so many I haven't seen in a year, really, because even if they do come up, I'm working or we can't connect because they're going to meetings or, and I can never go to some of the meetings. So I get to only see certain people from afar um, at very vague certain times. Hey, so Pam. Pam, there, yep, there, yep. I'm getting questions already that um, what's happening is that uh, they want to know, you have it introduced, so what is the experiencers uh, uh, conference about and what is all the stuff you're working on? Because they don't know, they, we don't know about the SARS, star seed, they don't know any. So this is about oh, the conference that's happening. Right. It just happened to me. Okay, go ahead. Let's, let's rewind. Audrey and Debbie, they're identical twins. Audrey and Debbie Starborn Hewins um, started this with Matthew Monitz. Um, I don't know what year, but not that long ago, maybe in the last three to four years. Um, all kinds of things have gone on in their life and awakening and, and, you know, being told messages to start this thing up and all that. My friend Kelsey Hart, called me up one day and said, I got these two twins here that you've got to come down and meet, my dear. And I'm thinking, really? Like now? He's just telling me this now. He insisted to the point where I couldn't say no to him. I just couldn't. He made it sound that important. And boy, was he right. Uh, I went down all right, and I brought my friend Lori Irons with me, and the rest is history. Um, <laughs> I fell in love with those twins and everybody in the room, and it felt like family, even though I didn't know these people. I've been at this work anyway all these years and didn't really know if some of these people were right here in Maine with me doing this. I know about the ones I've been working with, but I never knew about them. You know, they're from Massachusetts originally, from the um, uh, Bridgewater Triangle area. That's why they've had all kinds of weird experiences all through their lives. So they started Starborn Support for people that are star people that are down here um, feeling homesick, feeling dropped on the wrong planet. Um, just, you know, it's been very difficult to live in this level of density compared to the energy that we are used to. Um, and we know that. We come to understand that real true starseed. There's a level of homesickness that we know we're here and we know we're here for a reason. But there's always this resistance. There's always a level of resistance until you really wake up and realize why you are here. And then that's the void that gets filled, and you don't feel the fear and resistance as much. Um, you kind of own your so-called purpose and, and look at it as important and bigger than you, and you start having people just come into your life. It's pretty magical the way that happens by the law of synchronicity or synergy, resonance, whatever. Um, when people are supposed to meet, they really do. They come across your path when they're supposed to. Um, it all is, is way it's supposed to be. I really believe that, too. So this conference that they decided to start putting on three years ago called Experiencers Speak is to, A, help with disclosure by getting the people that are on the ships, either abductees, contactees, um, and other people that are brought on for different reasons. Um, there are some empaths that are brought on to help with the abductees because some of them are, like, out of control and freak out. I've done a little bit of that. <laughs> I've done yeah. a little bit of that as a contactee. I absolutely have. Um, I've literally watched people freak out, and I've been very helpful in the healing work I've done with them on board as well as what I'm doing down here. Um, so I know this sounds, like, a little bit crazy to a lot of people, but for us it's extremely real. We're not imagining it. We're... This is a docu there's so much documentation on this kind of thing happening. 
um, you're going to do the research. I'm not going to get into all that. That's what experiencers speak is for. Come and listen to us. A lot right. of us talk about this. Um, go on YouTube and look it up. Experiencers speak one, two, three, three years running. All the different speakers, right. they can find out a whole lot by just listening to some of the experts um, and some of the experiencers themselves. Yeah, contactees. Yep. So, where this is going, um, you know, we did our first CE5 this year. Uh, we decided to do that this year after the weekend events. We went up to a family lake house. And we gathered the group of people that ended up showing up. There was about 30 people or so, at least. And we did a real live CE5. The press was there. Um, we did a, a campfire circle, like a council meeting, a little bit before that to discuss how it would be run um, and, like, the protocols that we would follow. And I used to do that back in the early 90s. I used to do that. I used to do Stephen Greer's protocols with... Um, a group of people here in Maine. And, you know, we didn't have anything, like, seriously major happen back in the day. However, there were some very interesting incidences back in the day. However, gathering with a group like this, with so many experiencers all concentrated in one area, uh, we had an absolute CE5. And before that, um, I was running the protocol, actually, up at the campfire. I told everybody the images that we would project and the thoughts that we would project. Um, in unison, you do it together in a very light, conscious state of awareness. But the very first thing that you do, and I used um, my protocols for that from a book, Remote Viewing, from David Morehouse. I've been reading David Morehouse for years, all his books, and I really totally mm -hmm. resonate. That is amazing to me. Anyway, um, so between his remote viewing protocols and the ones um, that I've used in the past of Stephen Greer's for the C-SETI CE5s, um, I decided to kind of blend the two. But, you know, we remote viewed the sky as a group beforehand, and we got some real lock-ons. And I'll tell you, Charlene, it showed up in the area we locked onto and decided we were going to focus on. That's where it showed up, too. We had a successful CE5. On Monday night... Now, explain to people what a CE5 is, too. Okay. Well, there's different levels of having alien experience or contact. Close encounters of the first kind is seeing maybe like some distant ship in the sky, and it's very hard to detect, but you're thinking it's probably a UFO, okay? I think close encounters of the second kind is when, you know, you see a spaceship at a decently close range, but you don't see any beings on board or there's no beings on the ground. Now, close encounters of the third kind, uh, you're seeing a spaceship with beings in the window or on the ground. And now, close encounters of the fourth kind, you are, you're on board. You're uh, with them on their territory now. Or they're in your bedroom taking you out. Um, and then so, close encounters of the fifth kind was, I really believe, intended to create a common ground with which to co-create and, you know, work with these certain higher benevolent aliens that have everybody's best interest at heart and try to, again, create a bridge of communication, however that takes place, to really look at treaties with them. Now, not the kind the government does, because that's usually with not such great intent. <laughs> and not always, but that's certainly sometimes. We know that already. Um, 
but you no, know, it is about everybody else. You know, what's good for them, what's good for us. Everybody going to be a win-win. If there's no balance, it's still not good enough. It's not. Right. Everybody's got to be served. Everybody must be served. So the idea is, is to meet them on common ground and say, we'll work with you if you work with us. I, we don't want you coming in our bedrooms and snacks, you know, stalling our car, screwing with our electrical system in our car, ruining it, costing me money, you know, and then taking off and not cool. You know, it's like the things they do are just in our eyes. They could, can you find another way? Or maybe we needed to. So we developed, or Stephen Greer did, believe me, with C-SETI, I believe that's where it started, um, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, human-initiated contact. Uh, so we go out there with these, we go out there with a specific intent to lock on, remote view, lock on to a craft, send telepathic group thought messages to it and images in a sequence to let them know where we're coming from. And then we will use those bright, bright, flashing million candle power halogen light sources and flash them in a sequence of three, maybe two. Sometimes you can use Morse code, which means something to them, probably, I imagine. Maybe it doesn't. We're assuming this, I guess. Um, And yet, I think they have communicated through Morse in the past with others. I I believe I've read that somewhere along my UFO history. It makes, it just seems like a, a memory I have. So, there are ways to communicate with them, and really the best way for a lot of them is through telepathic projection of thought, um, of, you know, really gathering a visual image and projecting it to them, you know, with the right energy, with the right intent, and they feel that all at once, all that energy concentrated coming up at them, pulling them in, that we want to see you. We want to see our star family. We want you to see us, the ground crew. Come see us. Come on. We love you. We're family. Come on. We want to see you all together right now. you got us all in one spot. Come and see us. And they showed up. So, um, but what's you know, the result? Because I think I saw a couple of pictures, Pam, and it was it was quite great because everybody was it was there together, and it's almost like a, a camp out or something like that, and everybody's watching. And uh, what were the results of uh, calling? Uh, some people are call, call it like calling in of the UFOs that some people are able to call them in? You vector them in through, first you remote view them and you lock them. Then you literally vector them in to the intent to communicate through projected thoughts, images, and light. And they will flash back at you when you flash at them. They've been known to do that. Um, And we have that. They flashed back um, more than one time. And it was witnessed by a lot of people. So, and then there's a lot of other instances that happened before and after you know, the morning we all arrived there, from the minute we got there, there was all kinds of strange owl happenings going on, including right till 4, 4.20 in the morning into Tuesday, where we were, everybody else was asleep. Just crazy things, you know, all week. <laughs> so that Monday into Tuesday was so magical for so many people because of just the events. You know, I was told in my mind that we were going to have a lot of animal sightings. Well, not five mm-hmm. minutes late, comes this giant porcupine uh, traipsing along the front lawn. So everybody's watching this thing. I'm like, oh, my God, here we go already. So I told Audrey, I told Audrey I'm like, we're not done yet. We're going to see some animals before the night's over. There's animals involved in this tonight. They're being drawn to this mm-hmm. energy. Well, unfortunately, somebody leaving, uh, a mate of one of the people that was staying for the night, uh, had to leave and go to work, and he hit a deer on the way out. So that wasn't good. Oh. 
it looked like he was okay, though. That was a good thing. Um, and then, of course, the owl thing. One of the first things that happened is an owl feather fell out of the sky and landed at the feet of Matthew Monnet. Um, so that alone was a sign from spirit, usually. A little while later, Suzanne Chancellor was down on the beach by herself getting the sun and just knowing that that's where we were going down to do the exercise that night, knowing Suzanne, I didn't hear this from her, but knowing her as I do, she probably wanted to anchor a little bit of her own personal energy there before this took place, if I know her. Um, so uh, nobody went down. Everybody kind of let her be down there by herself. And she's taking pictures of the little island just out a little ways. I guess she was able to see this thing and zoom it in enough to see it. There's a kitten on uh, like dead tree branch, this little tall dead, dead tree branch out there, on this tiny little island not far from the shore where we were getting ready to do this. There's the owl again off in the distance, clear, enough for her to say, is that an owl? And then look and see it and took a picture and brought it back to show us. She had to, because after the owl feather thing. And then the best is yet to come. Um, you know, for the most part, the rest of the day, we didn't really hear any owls. That's what I know of. Um, I don't even totally remember hearing them that much when we were down at the beach or anything like that. But me and my friend Carol Cleveland, um, after the CE5 event ended and everybody came up and decided to snuggle into their tents, um, there were a few people still hanging around the campfire. It was probably around 1.30-ish. No later. It was anything. It might have been a little earlier. And me and Carol were antsy. We, we usually don't sleep anyway. I stay up late a lot. Um, and so does she. So we're like, you know what? Let's go back down to the lake. Just me and you. And if anybody wants to come, they can. But nobody wanted to. It didn't seem that way. So we grabbed the flasher and we went back down there. And the, one of the strangest things happened because we were there from about 1.20, 1.30. Um, yapping away, waiting, flashing the sky, sending out the same vibe. You know, it's late, we're getting tired, it's been a long weekend, and we're starting to get into like a, you know, like a light, relaxed trance, and it's just the two of us, it's peaceful. There's mist rising on the water because it was like warm and hot weather coming in the way the main is, and it was just like surreal and mystical. It was beautiful. It looked like, uh, I don't know, it reminded me something out of uh, Camelot or something. <laughs> Right. And I got to tell you something, dear. Um, after all the waiting and waiting and, and just chatting, you know, I'm thinking, all right, it's getting kind of late here, and maybe we're just good. Maybe whatever we got is what we're getting, and maybe we'll have experiences when we get a match. Who knows? They, they can do that, too. So we decided to start walking up the hill. But before that, I said to her, what time is it? And she said, uh, 4 o'clock. I said, what? I'm thinking it's 2, 2.30, and I thought 2.30 was totally stretching it, like totally stretching it, because we were not down there an hour. It didn't feel like we were down there that long. I don't think we were, you know, maybe a little, but 4 o'clock? 4 o'clock? No way. No way were we down there from 1.30 to 4 o'clock. No way. She agrees. The first thing we said to each other is we horrified as we almost looked at each other and went, oh, my God, we could be missing up to an hour here. There's no yeah. way we can get long. No way. All right, so we here we are a little bit, like, struck and anxiety-ridden, and we're starting to hold hands and walk up the hill together. We're not that far either, and then when we get up there, nobody's at the campsite. Everybody's gone, sound asleep, and it's 4 o'clock in the morning, mind you, okay? And we're kind of feeling freaked out a little bit, but not in a bad way. 
something occurred. You know, it's weird. We didn't really, like, get into it. It was so late. We just figured we'd talk about all of it in the morning. Let's just go to bed. It was weird. And yet, the minute we got all snuggled in our tent and we got comfortable, Carol said to me, she said, you know, I can't sleep. I'm still wired. And she said, I just want to know something. I want a sign. I need a sign. If something just happened down at that beach, if we just had an experience, and if that was a real experience earlier, I want a real sign. And so I want the owl to hoot. The owl has been around all day long. I want to hear the owl. Well, I tell you, she didn't barely finish her sentence. Charlene, I am kidding you not. We have witnesses, more than me and her. A few people in the tents right next to us woke up. That's how loud it was. Literally, when she said that out loud to me, she wasn't thinking it. She said it to me. I'm thinking, okay, let's focus on the owl. And within, within like, 20 seconds, literally within 20 seconds, we hear, ooh, right around our tent, okay? And then I look at her, and she's looking at me wide-eyed. And then again it went, ooh, and she's looking at me, and we're going, oh, my God. We couldn't make any noise or any sound asleep. We are just sitting there going, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> in the moment, what to think. And so, wouldn't you know, he who's a third time and then stopped for another 20 seconds, and we figured he was done. We got our sign. Let's go to bed. The minute we closed our eyes and were satisfied, he started hooting and hollering. He did it twice in a row, and it was way prettier and longer and fancier, and I have witnesses to that. <laughs> oh, my God. We were, like, in our glory to get that. We like, were answering you. Wow. I mean, that was just amazing, really, truly. For her, mostly, you know, I have odd things like that go on, but she wanted the validation. She wanted right. it, and boy, she get it. <laughs> boy, did she, she got get it. it. <laughs> well, you and you know, honey, that was not Go ahead. That, that owl was literally in the tree above us. Everybody, Jack and Suzanne were on one side, and my friend Eric Mitchell was on the other side, and they were the ones that heard it. They were the ones that were either up or kind of light sleeping, and they couldn't believe how it sounded literally above our tent, literally right above us in the tree. That's how close it was. So that, to me, is a very almost like eerie, E.T. kind of validation, uh, I think, in a big way. Yeah. Uh, to a lot of the experiences, the owl means a lot. The owls have shown up. Uh, that they would be extraordinarily close to the house or sitting on a fence, you know, in the city and looking in the window and all of it. But it's just an imagery that I think is placed there at times that it's not really an owl. But in your case, you were dealing with animal spirits and things like that, so it was an owl. But there's an impressive uh, list of speakers there. And, of course, my good friend uh, Peter Robbins was the master of ceremonies I do not know where he gets his energy from, but he is, like, literally all over the world. He just got back from England, didn't he? Yes, he certainly did. And, you know, Pete is full of energy. Um, I was teasing him the other day saying, boy, you've got a lot going on in that little body. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he is one of my all-time favorite human beings, let alone UFO humans. Um, Yeah, he's alive. I just adore him and Stan Friedman. I just, they are, like, my... My top, top. And then, of yeah. course, I got my Mike Melton Melton there. He's another one. Oh, I love that man. You know Mike Mike yeah. Melton? You know? No, I don't know uh, Mike. Yes, I do know Mike Melton. 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 Yeah, Mike, 
Let me let me give you the list. Stan Freeman was there, Steve Bassett, of course, and Kathy Martin and Denise Stoner. Uh, I've met all of those people. Jim Weiner, I haven't met yet. Thomas Reed, of course, I've met, and uh, Linda Cortile. Now, can you tell oh, us about her? Oh, and I, could you please tell us about her? And please tell oh, our listeners who she is. This case is one of the most extraordinary and intriguing ever. So go ahead and tell us about okay. her. And tell us so her story, this. too. Get this. Way back in the day, all right, I did a lot of my uh, UFO work you know, Bud Hopkins and John Mack. I even saw them debate in Boston. So I've been a Bud Hopkins fan. So when that book Witness came out, I read that immediately. The minute it hit the shelves, I knew it was coming, and I grabbed it read it. I was fascinated by that story for a lot of reasons. For one, it was not far from my backyard where I grew up, all right? And I had a lot of my own experiences in New York, all right? So you put all these pieces of the puzzle together, and, you know, some of the time frame she was getting visited, we, we were getting visited where I was, Okay. And, you know, we had an early uh, 1980, like between 80 and 83, 84, 85, like in that three to four or five-year period, I think it was, somewhere in there, um, I had a whole lot of different um, encounters at that time. In the early 80s, there was a UFO flap over the Hudson Valley region of, UF, you know, UFOs, different ones, triangulars, whatever. In Westchester County, where I lived, the Hudson Valley region, and, yeah, apparently over the Brooklyn Bridge, Okay. Now, Linda, okay. I've worked her in my life before, but I, I, obviously I know her story and involves her kids and the whole thing. But I never imagined the person behind this book that I met. Oh, my. Let me tell you. Lovely is not the word. At the same time, hilarious. I have never met a funny. She should be a stand-up comedian, I swear. <laughs> the woman had us rolling on the floor when she spoke. The whole crowd was hilarious for most of the speech. I mean, every other thing came out of her mouth. She was like a stand-up comedian up there. I'm telling you, the place was rolling in the, in the aisles, Charlene. You can ask anybody. They, everybody adored her. She's amazing. But, boy, did I feel at home with that Brooklyn accent. And she's, yeah. <laughs> to boot, she's Italian like me, too. So we had that in common, and we hit it off. She liked my accent. I was the only one like her that had that. Um, <laughs> so we really did get a lot of time to spend together and chat outside. Um, we did. I spent, got to spend a lot of time with Linda Cortile. Oh, I'll tell you, she's something else. That's all I want to tell you about that. That's great. Wow. So, and her story well, what, is it, what it was is that hundreds of people were going over the bridge and then all traffic has stopped. And, uh, Linda Cortile, and she's gone by a couple different names, but she was in front of hundreds of people. We're telling police and government officials and everything. She was teleported out of her apartment building, was several stories up, and and abducted by aliens. And this was all done in front of everybody. And it's a, a, an incredible yeah. story. And that's crazy. You talk about a crazy UFO, famous, you know, you think Travis is crazy, and some of these are crazy, but... You know, I think this is one of the craziest, right there in the smack in the middle of New York City, there in Brooklyn, in the city. You know, it's crazy. It's just, it is. Um, to know that that many people are up and out and about, the city doesn't sleep, it's always going. Um, how many people would see such a thing? I think that was uh, on purpose. It might have been at the perfect chosen time I think if so. there were that's in the area, you know? Yeah. So. I think so. And uh, that uh, it's it's been. Uh, 
said that people are still coming out to this day because they had fear for their uh, government standing and they're an official or whatever. But people are still coming out about what they saw. So to have her there was pretty pretty freaking amazing. And then uh, the, also Jim Weiner and, and his twin brother and uh, a couple other guys were out camping, and they had an a incredible sighting, and Jim Weiner was there. And uh, do you want to tell our listeners uh, something about Jim Weiner, if they don't know? Yeah, well, he, I believe, was in a group of four people. There were twins there as well. Um, and they were camping in the Allagash, and they were out on the boat fishing or whatever they were doing, just taking a boat ride. Uh, remember, some of these books I read so long ago, I got way too much information in my head. Yeah. So I remember no, no. the big picture. I remember the big picture. I don't remember all the details. But I know there was twins there, and then I think there were two other friends. Now, they went out on the boat, and while they were out there, they saw a bright light. And when, once they got onto the shore, they did realize at that point, I think they had missing time and that something happened on that boat. Um, and they were very strange with each other by the time they landed and didn't say much on the way back. And once they got back to the camp, they were very robotic in their doings, and they almost didn't talk about it for the very longest time until I think the twins cracked and was having nightmares and whatever and started coming out with it and got regressed or whatever. But this happened right up here in Maine, in the Allegash, upstate Maine, uh, where we are. So that's where Experiencer Speak is. We have Raymond Fowler up here. He's been a Mainer mm-hmm. for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, and we're reconnecting with him. I'm hoping he'll be a bigger part of Experiencer Speak next year because he has not really participated so far. Um, but he's starting to get involved as of very, very recently, I think, with Audrey. So, um, yeah, I mean, the community is really coming together here, and we're bringing people in from a lot of places. We had seven countries and a lot of states more than last year and the year before. So, you know, we plan to keep growing, and we have other visions for Starborn support. We have, like, a clinic in mind for experiencers so they can feel free to have any type of assistance they need on any level in a place where they're safe to talk about what is happening and get the right kind of help. Um, You know, people like Michael Austin Melton, who specializes in post-traumatic stress disorder, um, and he's darn good at what he does. He really, really is, and he's got a heart of gold. Um, Anybody should go see that man if they know a veteran or they know somebody that's had an abduction or has a lot of anxiety. Um, He's helped a lot of people and counting. Um, So I feel like that is another big part of uh, what needs to get out there more. I, I do a little bit of that with people, too. I've worked with people that have had trauma either on board ship or since. I've worked with abductees. I used to be an investigator for MUFON. I like investigative work. I do a lot of that as a psychic, psychic detective work. I'm very much into missing children. Um, So I enjoy that. I I do a lot of investigative work, and I'm good at it. I'm a research specialist. So when you are, when you know how to find stuff (laughs) from being a researcher for 30 years, you know how to find what you want by now, and I do. I zero in on what I want, and I know how to find it. As an investigator, I can pretty much find it. Um, Of course, I don't have access to a lot of fancy tools and all that or databases at all. But, you know, there's certain people that I do know that have access to such things and, you know, can look up something if I need them to, you know, that kind of thing. Right. um, You know, you just have many gifts and many healings and, um, I was wondering, uh, would you be able to uh, take a couple phone calls with people? People are asking questions now. 
Would you do you want to take a couple phone calls? Sure. Okay. Um, so Anne, go ahead and call in. I know they're listening. So I have one, and her name is Anne Morales, and she'll be calling in in a minute. And I'll be able to see it on my uh, my screen here, and. Uh, they're going to be asking some questions, and everybody's been very eager to hear from you. And uh, we're just going to wait for the call. Anyway, it'll take a minute. I just want to, because I'm screening the calls, because I do have people in queue waiting, and I don't know who they are yet. So I'm just giving people a chance so I can uh, just okay. get people on here who really want to come on here and not just, you know, goof around. And you have a, you have a radio show, too. Um, what, your show is on... Sunday evening from 9.30 to 10. Okay, well, right now, that radio show has been recently revamped, and I don't know that it's, like, fully up and going yet. And, you know, we had Michael very busy for a while, so now that he's probably back home, I'm sure he's finishing up on that. But Starboard Support Radio has become, I think it's KGTB or something like that. I can't remember. I I just can't remember. Um, I only saw it actually once. I just basically yeah, know they're revamping it. Yeah, it moved off into, uh, you know, from Blog Talk Radio, it moved off into uh, being with another network. And I see we have Ann calling. So, Ann, I'm going to get you on the phone right now. Ann, okay. you're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. Do you have a question for Pamela tonight? Hi, good evening. Hi. Um, hi. Um, okay, so uh, on your bio... Uh, you say that um, you are a psychic medium. In what way does, because psychic mediums, I don't, you're talking mainly about UFOs, uh, medical intuitive. What other areas do you uh, see into besides interplanetary or, or that kind of communication? Okay. Well, I am a channel. So I get direct words, messages, visual images, sometimes streaming. They give me like video in my mind. Um, I can see it. I can see events as they can unfold in the future. They show me things. Um, I also can read people and, and see some things that have happened in their past. I have a lot of years in medicine and a lot of years in many medical specialties. So I use that with my intuition, and I am a medical intuitive. And that means I have, like, an, a, a way of kind of being able to see energy, see blocks of energy in the body, or see if there's been some surgeries, missing parts, um, broken bones, whatever. I can scan the body, and, and I can tell people where they have issues or blockages. I do it all the time, and it's usually very accurate. So, um, you know, a little bit off, but I'll tell you, a couple of times I have been off in the past, it actually showed up in the future as a future event wound to that area that I was speaking. That has happened, too. So it taught me that I see the future, the past, and I'm not, not always sure which one I'm seeing. That sometimes is the tricky part, <laughs> if they don't tell you for and, sure. And do you have yeah. a specific question for her, for you? Um, for myself? <laughs> I have so many questions for myself. Um, I have... Uh, I was wondering about anything in terms of employment that you might see for me. Um, are you unemployed right now? Yes. Okay. 
because that's kind of what I see. Um, and I feel like you're worried about that. I don't know how long the time's gone by. I, I see the number five. I don't know if that means anything to you. Um, but it, if you're, like, really hoping for something to come along, what I feel, dear, is happening for you, because it is happening for a lot of people right now, um, mm-hmm. some people are getting a tiny bit of a timeout while things get ready to shift into sometimes a whole new area of life something that you're more aligned with if you didn't really care for some of the work you were doing before. Um, so my feeling is, is that it may be somewhat different, at least, to what you were doing or have been doing, and I feel like it's going to be something you enjoy a lot more. So it's kind of like hold out and, you know, wait for what you really want. Um, at this stage of your life, I feel like you really are looking for something that you enjoy, that you can settle in and stay with and not be job hopping and not liking the next job. So mm-hmm. you can hold out. I feel like the number five is important. So I don't know if anything has to do with five, five days, weeks, months ago, or May, or if they're talking in the future into five weeks. But October feels strong for me um, when it comes to you. Um, do you do something with your hands? I'm an artist and an art teacher. Okay, because I see your hands. with my hands. Okay. <laughs> They're showing me your hands. Like, whatever you do for work, you're doing it with your hands. So I don't know if you teach and you're going to do more of your own painting and your own art, because I kind of see that. It's not that you don't like teaching, but I feel like you want to start expressing yourself more and maybe trying to do more with that, getting your art out there. I do. I feel that very strongly coming in. So not to say you won't teach. You just might do a lot more art than teaching. I'm not sure. Uh, how you feel about that, ultimately it's your choice what you want to do, but um, that's why I feel you're going to be doing something a little bit different than you're used to, even if the way you do art, if you've been doing watercolor, maybe you're going to try oil, if you've been doing, like, sketching, maybe you're going to start painting more, um, so you're going to be I've doing actually, different. I actually make cakes, like Cake Boss kind of cakes, so, like, I sculpt with the fondant, and I've been doing that as kind of a side business. So maybe that's well, why you're seeing my hands. Okay, but I do. I, You know, something to do with the hands, um, definitely whatever you're doing, it's very creative with the hands. You're making something mm-hmm. or things or whatever. Definitely see the hands going on. But you're going to be okay. Don't get nervous. I see uh, good things coming. Um, so just, you know, do what you can do and put out the intent. Yeah. You know, put All out right. the intent. Awesome. Okay, thank, thank you, you Anne. Thank All you. Right, thanks, so keep up the good work, okay. keep up with your art, and it's soon to come, and you're going to get what you want. That's what I got out thank of this. Thank you so much. All right, remember. <laughs> yeah, she, she just, uh, I know everybody's kind of in a uh, little bit of a, a time of transition right now, don't you think? Like everybody, oh, everything's up in the air, nothing's for sure. If the minute yep. you think you're resting and everything's cool, then everything gets pulled out from under you again. And, uh, oh, boy. Anyway. People are going to be in for a bit of a rude awakening in October. The minute they thought that they uh, had what they thought they wanted, it could all fall apart in the end. And, you know, yeah. it's not a bad thing. It's meant to just um, – everybody's got to get real at this point. I mean, there is not a whole yeah, lot really. of Yeah, really, be more honest. 
You'll be you know, more honest about what you what you have to give and also what you need. Like trying to get more clarity is what I think about everybody. I had to get real clear with a with a, a boss today about certain things I needed for uh, my office. We just moved there and I needed it was a matter of safety and stuff, stuff like that, and it all happened. And I was like, gee, I'm so glad I pressed the point, but it took it was hard, a lot of effort. I actually right. started you know, having honey, spray and I'll sweat and everything. Be proactive. you got to be proactive with your life. you got to okay. feel, give yes. yourself permission to ask for what you believe you deserve, whatever. And, you know, uh, the worst thing that can happen is they say we can't or no or not yet or whatever. So always be, you know, open to the response and work with people. But, you know, you're never going to get anything unless you ask for it. Nobody's going to go handing you anything here. You know, that's not the way that works here. <laughs> that's hey, rare when you get... Guess, who, guess who's stopping in to say hi in the chat? Debbie oh. Tripp. She oh. said hi. Debbie's there? Hey, Debbie. Debbie Tripp is in our chat room, and she's listening to us uh, via hi. online. Hey, Deb. She's awesome, too. Uh, we got to know each other online, but to meet her in person was... <laughs> she's a yeah, sweetheart. Yeah, she was she one of the speakers there, too. Yeah. I saw her there. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, then uh, we do have another question. Do you want to take another question, Miss? Sure. Okay. So now we have on the line is uh, Tiffany. <laughs> Tiffany, you're live with the Paranormal and Sacred. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey sorry. <laughs> hey. Um, hey, Tiffany. Uh, Pamela is such a, a godsend. Um, I have a question for her, something to do with UFOs and graves. Um I uh, had an experience where I woke up, I was taking a nap, and I woke up to the Lord's grace doing something with my abdomen, and I was trying to fight it because, you know, it was freaking me out, seeing these, you know, the Lord's head, the big eyes, and the skinny arms, and I don't know what he was doing to my abdomen, but they had others that were smaller that were holding my arms and my legs, and I had all the fingerprint bruises, and you know, I called out to God, and they walked out the room. But when I got up to look at my body, I was bruised from my hip, my pelvis, all the way down to my to my knee. And then I had the long finger fingerprint marks up my calf. And you could tell where they were holding down my ankle because I had bruises all over. So, And then I was bleeding profusely. So I went to the emergency room, and they said, who did this to you? And you know what I'm going to say, you know? <laughs> so I was just wondering, what did they do to me? I didn't even know ask- it was great. Okay, right, let ahead. me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Where were you bleeding from? Um, female. Okay, that's what I suspected. They, they uh, just said, oh, I, I went through this my whole life. <laughs> Ever since right, that well, story. It seems to me that you're part of the hybrid program, um, so that's why you're taking eggs from your belly button area, probably your abdomen. And if you were bleeding, they may have taken a fetus. Sometimes they'll take oh. them when they're at a certain level of gestation and take it from there. They just need you to carry it for a little while, but they're the ones that usually seed it, all right? And they can often do that right through the belly button or through other means that they do it. Um, But that's not uncommon. There are too many women that speak of that. There's even men that are sperm donors, um, that sperm is collected from them for this process. And they choose certain women on board to mix with the sperm from certain men that they choose 
and they create hybrids with a little bit of alien DNA mixed in too. So there's a lot of this hybridization been going on, and again, there's plenty of research to support a lot of that too. There yeah, is. I already did all that research. And um, and by the way, I wanted to tell you one night while praying, I saw a, um, it's one of those reptilians that looks like a snake head. It was uh, the darkest green, tall, muscular. It looked like yeah. a man's body, but the snake head. Is that, you know, when I looked it up, I saw the grays were involved with that. But I tell you, the pictures they have look like cartoon characters compared to what I really saw. All right, you know, well, very you know, people have seen you ever, various you ever saw those? different. Huh? You ever saw those? Well, people have seen various aliens, different aliens, together on board ships, myself included. I have not seen greys with reptilians that I recall. I haven't. However, I have dealt with reptilians separately in plenty of different greys. There's not yeah. just one type of grey. There's tall ones and short ones and long, tall, skinny ones, and then shorter, yes. more stocky ones. And then you have the blues, which are a lot of the ones I've dealt with, even including the fact that when I'm in the room on the table and they're doing sur- sur- surgery on my throat, uh, and, oh. you know, not only do they emanate this, like, electrical blue light, but it appears that it, either the room does as well or it's so white that it mixes with the blue, um, and it appears to be this, like, beautiful, like, glow of this beautiful pale blue electric light. It's just lovely. Um, so I've dealt with a lot of the blues that emanate this like electrical blue. But it's not like bright and and really stark. It's a very like pale electrical ice blue. It's beautiful. And I have had a lot of encounters with them and not nasty ones. They have not been, you know, on the negative side at all. However, yeah. I used to be very afraid of the reptilians when I was quite a young girl. They used to come for me, it seems, early on. Them and the greys would come for me when I was younger. And then I was able to start fighting them off and keeping them away. I changed what we call changing the contact scenario, where I no longer let them just come and abduct me at will. I made an agreement with them then, common ground. I told them, if you're going to come for me and I can't stop you, you're going to give me three days' notice. You're going to do it my way. You're not just showing up here. Wow. (laughs) I got to the point where I let them know I'm all done with this, all right? I am not having this happening. I'm just done with it. And I took my power back. It just happened out of the blue. I was so afraid of them, and I just got fed up with it. And the minute I let them know, you're going to give me three days' notice, oh, they obeyed because every single contact I ever had with them after that until it pretty much ended, um, they would give me notice, and I knew when they were coming, and that was even kind of even scarier in a way. <laughs> now you know they're coming. It's like, oh God, can I hide somewhere? No. <laughs> so, yeah. I know what they're I never, I never thought that um, that you could actually have any kind of control over them. Well, when you start to lose the fear and you let them know that you have free will and that they are not by, you know, any stretch allowed to interfere in that. Now, if you don't tell them such things, then they assume you don't really understand your free will. And if you don't fight them other than, you know, calling in God or, you know, certain things have worked for certain people. You know, they even went away when Travis started swinging. They got, they yeah. figured he's getting 
drink, let's get the hell out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's referring to Pamela, can I ask you a question? Where are these hybrids? Have you seen them? Oh, I know one. Um, and not mentioning any names, I wouldn't on the air. She's a little girl, and she's the most beautiful little girl. And I'm very close to her. And then, of course, you know, um, there's different levels of that, I feel. There's some real, real deep hybrids, and you can see it in their face. You can see it in their eyes. And then there's a lot of star children here, and they have a different kind of a look. You know, the star child is different looking in a way than the hybrid children. They don't look the same, not in my opinion. They don't. Yeah, but do my kids ever try to come by me, these hybrids that they took from me? Are you Have you ever heard that, that experience? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, sorry. you know, what did, do the people that they take the eggs from, will I ever see my hybrid children or what? They say sometimes they take you on board for visits with those children so those children can be nurtured, comforted, and held with emotion because they tend to not show a lot of emotion. And they have figured out that um, uh, these children need emotional nurturing because they are part human. And that they crave that like a human child would. So believe it or not, there's like nurseries there on board ship. Oh, yes, there is. I've been in Some them. Some Yep. Well, but even you can women, remember them. You can remember that. I can. Okay. You know, I women can, women can go in there and nurture other people's hybrids if, for whatever reason, the mother can't, won't, whatever. I don't know. Whatever. They have varied reasons why they do what they do. Maybe they want to see how a child would interact to any maternal person, not just its original mother. Um, who knows what they're really doing? You know, we, we can only assume from what we do know that we know they're after this, we know they're after that, why they're doing it, there's a lot of speculation. Some of it is, you know, their race is dying out, and best they can do, they've over-cloned themselves to a point where their race is dying out. They all look the same. They're all cloned. Um, so they have to intermix uh, these species there. they got to do something to bring their race um, into, you know, a new generation, and apparently yeah. we're like a perfect general matched somehow, uh, yeah. or they wouldn't choose us. So yeah. at least some people they're Pamela, choosing. Pamela, can you see anything in the future with my father? He's uh, getting elderly and there's uh, somebody in the family that has a boyfriend that's after my father's money. And um, he separated me from my father when I told him his true intentions because he came after me because my daddy told him, my dad said, I'm going to give Stephanie the house. I don't want to get too personal, you know just in case somebody's listening. But um, the thing is, is that he came on to me, and then I told my family member, and she stayed with him, and they went to my father and separated me and my father. So I called my father and left a message, and he never called me back. I told him just to be careful because they're after your money. I don't want a dime. I don't want your house because I put my life in jeopardy. You understand? Because he threatened me because I wouldn't get with him. See, he wanted my house, my daddy's house. All right. Well, my dear, this is not something I prefer to talk about on the air, okay? So oh, if you want to get in touch with me privately, uh, that I will do. I'm not going to talk about this uh, on the air, okay? Okay. Okay. So you don't okay. see nothing in the future She's of my house? She'll talk to you, but not about that. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. She I don't talk about no, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to her privately but... about that if she wants me to, but I'm not going to discuss her 
family's personal business like that on the air. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Okay. okay All right. Thank okay, you so thank much. You. Thank, thank you, Joe. Charlene, Call you can her. give her my number. You have it, right? Okay. Yeah, I have it. I'll give you the phone okay. number, Tef. Tef still can hear me. So, Tef, I'll give you the phone number, and you can ask her privately. Thanks, mm-hmm. thanks a lot for that. So um, there's also uh, other stuff that I wanted to ask you. So you have uh, done uh, Reiki healing and thing like, things like that. And do you want to tell us about a couple of your uh, cases where uh, somebody uh, came to you with a problem and said that you had success with that? Okay. Well, one of my very greatest successes is a woman who um, was really in a pickle and referred to me by her sister, who I did a different kind of a reading on. But she said, hey, she does medical intuitive readings. Maybe she can give you some insight. It's worth a try. Apparently, she really wounded her shoulder badly. It always bothered her, but it just keep got progressively worse. She had no real true health insurance because she was self-employed, um, so no matter what it's costing her. And she could not afford to take the time off of work with the surgery the doctor was suggesting. She had a major rotator cuff issue, and, I mean, it was really, like, beyond repair. He said, there's nothing I can do except reconstruct it or do some kind of surgery. And so, you know, I told her, you know, I asked her some key questions, um, you know, like what is, like, the worst-case scenario if she had to be out of work two months, you know. There's no way she could swing that or pull it off and have the surgery. And she said pretty much no. With, with the salary loss that she would have, um, she would, would be in a serious problem and would really have a hard time catching up. So she really wanted some other type of solution if possible. So, you know, I'm not going to try to think in my head. So with all the different things I know about and all the tools that I have, it wasn't automatically going to be Reiki. Um, of course, that's part of everything, if you ask me. Reiki can only assist in every healing modality. Um, it can only help, not hurt. Uh, So I like to use it with other healing modalities as well. But the thing that came to me was something that I've used on and off in my own life and with other people to a good degree uh, of healing. So I'm thinking, could it work for something this bad? Well, it can't hurt. You know, if the claims they make on this stuff is that astounding, that what I've researched, I've read about it, um, maybe it can go that deep and really, really heal that problem. So I told her, I want you to go to this website and I want you to order a good-sized jug of this magnesium chloride. And I want you to get the purest kind. It's called ancient minerals. That's maybe not the purest now, but at the time a few years back, um, it was that I knew of. And I know the guy, Dr. Mark Circus. I used to chat with him on the Rainbow Network on Yahoo many years ago, like a long time ago, known him a long time. He's a wonderful man and he's a smart man. And he started this website, magnesiumforlife.com, and all his products are there. Um, and you just got to go read about it. You just got to learn about it. You got to read about it. But it's for chronic pain, and it also will undo a lot of damage in the body. And it has a lot of regenerative properties, yes, where it reverses a lot of disorders and disease. And there is a reason. When you have a lot of magnesium content in the body, and you can overload it kind of like you can do with the right kind of vitamin C, you can go on a magnesium overload until you have what they call uh, the, the bowel thing starts kicking in, okay? 
The minute you start getting diarrhea, if you don't tend toward diarrhea, then you're at a magnesium load for your body. So you should stop at that point. But you can take in a whole lot of magnesium because most of us are extremely deficient, all right, especially in this kind. And that's not Epsom salt, that's sulfate. This is chlorite. It's a different kind of magnesium. So it comes from seabed minerals and some of the purest seabeds in the world is where some of this is coming from. High concentrations. And what it is doing for the body is amazing because what happens when you have a lot of magnesium in the body? It automatically produces DHEA, which is the using hormone. So that is the fountain of youth, this little bottle of magnesium chlorate. <laughs> I swear by this stuff. Yeah. So if you want to talk to Helen Weisorek, um, she could tell you herself what it really did for her because after getting that stuff and taking baths, with the flakes. You can buy bath flakes and take a bath in it. You can get it in every pore of your body that way, which I love, and that is what we call bioavailability. You are able to take in through the pores and utilize the most, that way, transdermal delivery, we call it, right through the skin. It's one of the best forms of delivering this type of thing. But we use the spray bottle to spray it on spots. Like I have a bad knee, so I put it on my knee all the time. Um, and, you know, I, I'm always on my knee, so I always got to use it. Or I, it hurts me because I have an issue there. And I probably should, uh, you know, get like a truckload of it and just keep pouring it on because eventually it will heal. Um, but I tore my meniscus. And that's pretty painful mm. stuff if you know about that. And I yes, have not been I have not it's been agonizing. to a doctor. I will not go to a doctor. I am, I am intent on healing it myself in its time. I am not going to the doctor. I have not even gotten an x-ray. But I know the symptoms, and that's exactly what I have. So right. um, the medical intuitive stuff is, you know, quite strong. And Helen, relief, because that is what I heard spirits say, get her that magnesium and give her Reiki, all right, and teach her to meditate and do like a almost, Breathing, a lot of breathing is good. Relaxation, meditation. While you're laid out, while you can't work and you're wounded anyway, you know, right now while it's healing, relax. There's nothing else you can do anyway. You're not supposed to be moving it around. So she, right. she postponed surgery. She did postpone the surgery and decided to go with the magnesium and the Reiki. And um, I swear you can ask her. She had that magnesium on her faithfully, like every half hour to hour on the hour. For two, three days straight, she just kept pouring that on, taking baths in it. And after the third day, she contacted me and was absolutely amazed that she felt no pain in her shoulder at all. None. All right. And that was before I even, I think I only had done one Reiki session on her. One. She was far away and was willing to travel, but she couldn't come constantly. So she was coming only once a week. But the first week, I made her put the magnesium on first. And so she started that, came to me for a session, and then went back home and kept doing it. After the third day, she had major relief. So she did come for more Reiki sessions, and she swears by that stuff. And to this day, she is pain-free, surgery-free, and pain-free. It healed somehow, and she's using it for her work still. And now she's a Reiki master herself, and she teaches classes. <laughs> So, you know, there you go. That's quite the story right there with Helen, where she went, uh, where she started out, and then she became a healer. She so swore by Reiki and what it did for her um, and the attunements, what they did for her over time, that she's out there teaching it with her sister now, and 
it changed her life. It really empowered her. It helped her believe she can heal herself. And I made, believe me, I made sure she got that part of the whole thing beyond the magnesium and the Reiki. I said, you know what? We all call in our own imbalance by the way that we live our life or the way that we move our body when we're working. We can get carpal tunnel. We can, the way we bend, we can hurt our back, whatever. We all bring it in ourselves, and we can bring it out ourselves, too. And I really believe that that is the best way, um, and supporting the body while you do that, depending upon the issue, um, you know, finding ways to support the body in moving that out. Um, you know, I just, I see disease differently than most people. I don't see it as something to fear and to rebuke. I think it is a huge message from the body when you have symptoms of disease, that something is healing already and trying to come out of the body, showing in the form of symptoms mm-hmm. to alert you. Something isn't quite right. And to pay attention to your body and to look for what the imbalance might be because that's where it starts. You know, the symptoms come from a, a deeper cause, original imbalance of sorts. Um, so I go after the original cause. I don't treat the symptom at all. Symptoms go away when you go after the cause. That's the way I treat the body. That's the only way to treat the body, in my opinion. So, that's, you know, that's it because that's why the, you're doing it your way, and uh, that's what has people coming to you. And you work for Leaping Lizards, and uh, could you tell everybody uh, where your store is and how they can reach you and uh, your number, your contact number, if they need readings? Because you do readings and healings and work with people on a different level. So, you want to go ahead and give people your information. Okay, yes, I do do telephone readings. I don't need you to be there in front of me. I also do long-distance remote healing and remote viewing. So I do not need you there to do any of the work I really do. Um, So uh, I do need a picture. If you want distance healing, I prefer to work with a picture because of the way that I run my own distance program. But um, the readings, definitely not. Now, I work at Leaping Lizards. Yes, it's in Portland, Maine. It's 449 Forest Avenue. Um, and the telephone number is 207-221-2363, and I am there on Fridays and Sundays from 11 to 5. That's when I'm there, doing healings and readings in person. Um, that's that, I guess. And I, do and I understand that they, I understand they do, they have things for sale there and crystals and books, and uh, it's kind of a holistic shop, right? Yeah, it's a holistic center where we do a lot of healing work, a lot of different healers. We have intuitives in there, medical intuitives, um, and we definitely have a storefront where we sell angels and, you know, every pretty much religion or spiritual um, endeavor one might be looking into. We have, you know, books and, and different things where people can, you know, use different tools and things to practice their spirituality. Yeah, we have all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a cute little shop, and I actually uh, go, our family goes back like 400 years in Maine. It's a strange, uh, I know, I, I really just found this out a couple years ago, and uh, I was uh, born in Boston. I actually lived upstate New York uh, in uh, Poughkeepsie where my mother was born, so there's a, you know, there's a lot of uh, the Back East connections along with all this uh, supernatural and UFO things. When my mother was an, uh, a teenager, she saw uh, five ships go overhead. And I was actually literally born during the day 
that all those UFO flack was cited over Washington, D.C., what they have the famous pictures of, that was the day I was born, was the, that was that summer in uh, 52, which is strange. Anyway, very maybe odd what's going on that day. Go ahead. <laughs> maybe you're part of the sighting, Charlene. <laughs> I think uh, that was me. I was It's pre-me. Before I was me, I was flying over my mother. No, I, was, I don't think that's what happened. But anyway... Um, so what would you suggest? You because everybody has a question. Mother and father has experiences too. Because I, I kind of lean toward my father with a lot of the stuff that I have. Oh boy, come true. But my mother's got a lot of intuition too. So I think it kind of comes from both. And I feel like my grandmother, you know, she was always open, open, receptive to it. I think she used to predict some things too in the day, not as a psychic, but just to throw it out there and would be right off and. So we do have an element of intuition definitely running in the family, definitely. I, I agree with you because I felt that about you right away. And uh, also the, um, that whole back east thing is totally different from being out here in California, believe me. There's a, there's a lot of mystery along the Hudson and all that misty water, and uh, it's something that always draws you back. And um, actually how I, I got involved with this whole thing is that I was, I've been having so many lifelong sightings and uh, actually, a lot of religious experiences going along with it. Uh, so I, I have a long, I have a few kin, kinsmen in this regard, like Christopher Bledsoe and Tiffany, who you were just talking to. We kind of have a lot of spiritual experiences along with our uh, alien contactee kind of stuff. And um, I feel like there's a there's something drawing us all together. Uh, it's like the hello. Yeah, I'm a here. Series of that's weird. A series of as soon as I'm starting to talk about that and everything's gonna go haywire. Please don't break down now. <laughs> We're doing a good show. Just keep going. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I just heard some sounds I never heard before. But anyway, um I feel like we're all being drawn together as pieces of a puzzle and that we're all fitting together, coming from wherever we're coming from, and that it's it's historical too and it will be in the future also. That there's some really kind of incredible things going on. Awarenesses and levels of uh, things. And even though everyday life, when you get out of your house and go to work and, you know, business as usual, I feel like everybody, even if they're not consciously aware of it, the mass consciousness knows that strangeness is afoot. There's like a high strangeness in the air, you know. Um, and I think a lot of it really is what they told me years ago. They've given me predictions for the future, and they've said very clear words to me, like in the in a certain time frame, uh, we would not be able to really get away with any of our bad behavior toward each other anymore, that um, it would just be exposed. I mean, it would just be where nobody would tolerate it, and you would almost be looked upon, you know, as a major troublemaker. And, you know, we're trying to, like big time to create unity here and we're not going to put up with you know the little bully crowd we're not going to deal with that okay and we're just well all right this is one one of my beliefs too is that whatever you are is going to be readily seen Uh, you can't lie because it would be already seen so there wouldn't be no point in you know any point in in lying or anything like that it's uh it's almost like what you, what you are is what everybody will get immediately. What you think is what people will get. Almost like, you know, people sometimes communicate now telepathically. And also, 
you know, can you imagine everybody has to tell the truth all the time and what would happen in the courts or what would happen in relationships? You just said I would just be honest, you know. It would be a different world. Well, do you know that in even a weekend, in a short amount of time, you can develop a telepathic future communication with somebody that you've bonded with? And I have that going on with a lot of people. I really yeah, do. It. I have a telepathic connection to a lot of people, and I'm a sender and a receiver. So that means I hear them, and when I send, they hear me. Um, and That's truly, right. you know, it's amazing. But I, I have it with well, ET. Well, because, so uh, because between me and you, we have some remote viewing going on. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we do. Because <laughs> yeah. I was, I was uh, it's just strange that, uh, I don't know, thought can travel fast, that's all I can say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> don't you think? It's faster than a phone. Well, it could be just about like a phone. Uh, but anyway, um, let's see. Uh, the call number is 619-924-9744 if you have any questions for Pam. And uh, we're also in uh, chat. Everybody's uh, there. We really appreciate you there too, because uh, they're they're really smart in chat. They have a lot of interesting questions. And uh, okay, there was one: is if there is a vortex or an opening somewhere in your house or on your property, or you know things like things like that, is it possible to shut that? Somebody asked that as a question, like a portal. Yeah. How can right. you diminish well, um, or close a portal? All right. It, it really, you know, that's a loaded question when it comes to portals. You know, you could have a, a smaller one. You could have a Stargate portal. Um, I really believe that we have random portals all over the place, and maybe some are being created through scalar technology, okay? Uh, that can be done, yep. It can, can you explain be what that is? What you, I don't scalar know what you weapon. said. Could you, what is, scalar can you, uh, technology. How do you spell, spell it? it? S-C-A-L-E-R, Scalar Technology. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get okay. into that. That's quite complicated, but it can create things to temporarily disappear and then reappear. It may capture them, cloak them, and rematerialize them elsewhere in another location. Yep, we can do that stuff. That's what I think happened to the missing plane myself. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I think a lot of people felt that way. I think it I was intercepted in the portal and brought to another location. Now, that doesn't mean it's not still here on Earth. It doesn't mean it's in space. I think it's out in the Indian Ocean in Diego Garcia. I think it's out there on that military base somewhere. I do. Well, what would, they be, what would be the purpose? That's the only thing that, why would they take so many people and what would be their purpose in that? Okay, well, I don't know how much you researched that story, did you? Um, no, because I feel like they were sitting on the bottom of the ocean. I think that's what happened. That's what I felt like it happened. You tell me. Okay, well, I don't, I don't think I believe that myself, but uh, okay, wherever they were located, the bigger thing about that whole thing was that four of the, there were four Chinese men on board, and four of these men, and there was a lot of Chinese on board, but four of them were patent holders with free cell semiconductors out of Texas. They were patent holders of a new uh, patent that was coming online, and the other fifth patent holder was a Rothschild, a very high-level Rothschild was the fifth patent holder. 
So he wasn't, the other four patent holders were. So I don't know, a lot of us conspiracy theorists are saying two plus two equals something. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's just a little kind of fishy, don't you think, that four yeah. patent holders are thing and Rothschild is the only one alive uh, that we know of right now. So, if you read the patent itself, you know, if anything happens to any of the other patent holders, it goes to whoever was left. Well, he's the only one left. Go a lot of money in one left. A lot oh of money boy, in one. I know. So, you but know, I don't money, believe but... any, think anybody was really killed myself. I could be wrong on that one. Maybe I just don't want to believe it. But, you know, I, I, you know, I keep kind of seeing that in this um, military base out in the Indian Ocean. It's out there. Uh, it's called Diego Garcia. Uh, I think there's some hangers oh, yeah. in there. plane is in a hangar, and I think the people are being detained. I don't know. That's a definite scenario in my head. I'm not saying that's what it is. Uh, we don't have any proof of that, but I'm, that's, I don't know. You know, I, I at least I'm on to something, I think, anyway, if I have some of the details wrong. but Right. I just felt that uh, it was sabotage and that they, that they was at the bottom of the ocean and that and that it happened again when it was shot over. Uh, uh, where was it? It wasn't the Ukraine. Was it Ukraine? Yeah, I don't know about that either. Yeah. I'm, you know, so that might have. Been I know. Okay, let's not get into that then. Forget it. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah, here's another one. There's something going on with this lately. Whatever, whatever, to make it not look like one single isolated thing. Whatever. You know, they have their ways of trying to make things look natural and normal, like a normal event, and don't freak out. Shit happens. It happens. You know, planes go down. They go in the ocean. This happened before. You know, they 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 don't they can't explain it. They just can't right now. They can't find the box. Can't find the plane. How deep is it over there? I I don't know. How deep is the water? I don't know. Can't find anything. I don't know. I don't buy it. I think something else is going on myself. Whatever, I could be wrong about what, but I just don't think it's as they told us. The story is not as they told us. Um, I think some other things are happening. But whatever. I don't want to talk about all that. Um, I want yeah, to talk about I know, what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> then we're going to get off into conspiracy theories, and we're all going to get irritated. But anyway, <laughs> you want to talk about that. So anyway... Oh. Uh, Get my so feathers up us. a little thing. I know, then our dander will get up, and that'll be it. So, oh, we don't want uh, that. <laughs> we don't want that. So, anyway, as far as the future, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you for uh, to, to look into the future a bit. And what do you see as our, let's say, pretty immediate and, and five-year future for and what we all should be working on in uh, the future for our country? Because... Uh, I feel like we need to be uh, focused on spirituality, but I think we're going to be taking quick kicking and screaming. That's what I'm thinking right now. But go ahead and tell me. Oh, oh, Tiff, Tiff wants to know, did you have any hybrid children, and have you seen them? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I want to answer that. <laughs> I suppose she I never asked me about my children. Uh, let's Nobody just say I definitely have suspicions. I have suspicions um, absolutely about one person. Um, yes, one person, one girl. Okay, that's, that's the answer, Miss. And then what did the and child look like? I think that's the other part of the question. She kind of looks like her father. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lithuania Nordic. She looks a lot more like her father. That's all I really want to say. <laughs> it's kind of hard to talk about. I'm laughing, but you know. Oh my god! I know. I'm sorry. This is oh, not boy. you know anything that I realized for a very quite a long time. It's it's not that that long ago that I, it did kind of come to me that that is so. So I don't know that I'm ready to like go out there out in total public with that yet. That's just where well, I'm at with it, right? So okay. Well, Pam, you know, I did go public. I was on a panel with Travis Walton and Captain Robert Salas, and I talked about my space babies. So if I can do it, you can do it. I have more than one. I've got a bunch. But that's me. I'm proud of my children. I'm actually scared about the whole thing, so I'm trying to love them no matter what they look like, okay? So <laughs> I'm trying to accept well, them. I don't know. I got silly with that one. Mine's pretty human looking, but okay. um, she definitely favors her father's um, looks. She looks a whole lot like him, in my opinion. So. Well, does she have big blue eyes or what? Not giant, but she's definitely got blue, 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 blue eyes. Yep. Yep. Okay. So now we have a comment that, that, that she has a bubblehead baby, and I have a bunch of different babies too. So we're not ashamed of it. You know, it got really weird. Uh, because I'm glad that because you go to support meetings. So tell us about the support groups that are uh, main for the experiencers and the abductees. Okay, it's called Starboard Support, and we meet every month, once a month, at Leaping Lizards, where I work. Um, and the next meeting is September 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. And we may linger a little bit later and chit-chat after we get the night's agenda taken care of. And now that we finally have experience or speak three behind us, we're talking automatically. The next meeting is the 28th, and we're going to start talking about fundraising. And I'm going to be in charge of fundraising a lot more up and coming for the next show. Me and Audrey already talked about that over the weekend. I'm going to start doing a lot more fundraising work. I used to do that back in the day politically, and I'm going to start doing that a little more for her. Um, so, you know, we meet and we discuss these very things, like where Starborn support is going. And part of it is experience or speak, but the other part is literally counseling and doing therapy or healings or uh, whatever, whatever is needed by experiencers that are having a rough time. It's a support system. Um, and, no, we don't sit there and, you know, whine. Uh, it really is designed to, you know, get out of that victimhood and, look at the bigger picture of that we're involved in something, you know, larger than ourselves, something that is, like, totally either not understood or misunderstood uh, by most of us down here that uh, are not in the know. And then for us that uh, experience this directly and we can't get the validation for it from the most important people here that we have always trusted, you know, tried to trust our government growing up. We always trusted that they were, you know, out for our best interest and, um, you know, they have their reasons why they can't share some of the information they have. You know, they always call it national security. Um, and I mm -hmm. understand that. You know, don't want anybody to get this technology. We want it. Um, and, you know, it shouldn't be that way no matter what. First of all, we've got no business using this technology if we're going to use it the wrong way, for one. And if we have it, everybody should have it. If it's going to be beneficial and it's not going to be a bad thing, then everybody should have it. So that's what disclosure is about. It's disclosing all the suppressed free energy so we can get off oil dependency, get off petrol, you know, products and 
and go cleaner and greener and run off of the ether, which is organ energy. Um, you know, we could run off of cold fusion, run off of all kinds of things, hydrogen, fuelless generators. Uh, there's patents out there for all this, and they're not really letting a whole lot of it out there online. And it, it could save the planet. You know, we're sucking the life force out of the planet in the form of gasoline, um, you know, which is blood. And, you know, yeah. they told me a long time ago, and it's starting to happen. It's starting to happen only in the last three to four years. It's crazy. But they told me about this a long time ago. They said that we would experience crustal displacement. We're taking a whole yeah. lot of atomic weight from the center of the earth. We're taking a lot of atomic weight from inside the earth, and we're putting it up on the surface. And then we've got big holes underground. You know, there's a lot of underground tunnels and bases. There's a lot of mines that have been exploded. We've exploded through so much of this planet, building bridges and tunnels and just everything we've done to it, fracking, you name it. We are collapsing this planet, and we're getting sinkholes big time. We're getting sinkholes everywhere. Oh, we're yeah, everywhere. Oh, shit, if we don't watch out. <laughs> I'm not well, Japan is like the poor years. dude is in his bed, and he, he his whole bedroom is sucked in with him in it, and then that was one of the first wildest ones. And now up in L.A. it's gotten really bad. I mean... It's opening up whole Didn't streets of KVN and, oh, gosh. Didn't a whole bunch of cars at a dealership end up in a big hole out there in California? It's peculiar. It's weird to see it, you know, because the ground. That happened back when the North earthquake was here. Uh, I experienced the earthquake, and the crust was down near the beach, so I was right near the ocean, living there for the last 30 years, and it was floating. It was. I experienced it, and of course, the, the pier fell off, and most of the parking lot did go under. And I realized that we're just living on on the crust, and uh, it's spooky because, and people have foreseen you have foreseen it, and people have foreseen it before. And I remember watching Montel, you know, quite a while ago. Cause now, uh, God rest her soul, Sylvia Brown's gone and everything. But she she said, what did, they asked her, what does she think about it? And she they, she said. I'm worried about the infrastructure with everything collapsing, the roads, and everything. And it's exactly turned out to be true, even though they were saying back in the day, you know, that she made a lot of mistakes, but she's not perfect. But anyway, okay. So uh, there's a comment here. Uh, in in 1953, when uh, the speaker is was four years old, I was taken in the middle of the night to a place where there, uh, where I was to play and interact with some children. These children were strangely shy, quiet, and all looked like what we think of today as cancer patients in kids' hospital. Any thoughts on that? That's the question. Okay. I missed the first part. Did somebody see these children aboard a spaceship? Okay. It says, uh, I was taken in the middle of the night to a place where I was to play with and interact with some other children. These children were strangely shy, quiet, and um, all looked at today as a which, what you're looking at, cancer patients, you know, they have, like, their bald heads and, and things okay. like that. And this person wants to know what your thoughts are. She was probably playing with ETs, and she may be part of the hybrid program herself, only not, you know, doesn't have a lot of the DNA to where she looks more annoyed and is a lot of on Earth, but she doesn't, doesn't mean she doesn't have an element of alien DNA in there. Again, you got to remember, they go through generations, so each generation, adding a little more, a little more, a little more. We don't know that. We're generationally doing it for a reason. So 
she's connected maybe because she's empath and maybe she's a kind was a kind-hearted child if she was a child like them and maybe they want to get these hybrid children to interact with human children that you know are a little different from them but children are children you know they maybe they want to watch they want the little hybrid to watch normal regular earth children play or interact together, do things together in that, you know, because they have enough alien in them that maybe they just can't, like, figure that part out. That's why they're shy. Um, they're not sure, like, how to play. <laughs> Who knows, yeah. you know? But there's a reason why they would do the things they do. It makes, you know, you got to look at it more on a logical basis of why would they do that. Well, um, knowing what we do know about the grades themselves, and so the hybrid then, you know, may mean that they are wanting human-alien interaction on many different levels, and they're observing it. They're learning from it, and they're learning about their hybrid, how to, you know, continue the program from, you know, getting all this data together over time. Uh, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. So. And they're not just doing this with humans. We feel abducted, but what does a plant feel like when it's, taken as a sample. Oh, I just uh, so strange. I was thinking that last night. I was actually, I have a little small dog, and she's like a, my little child. She's so loving to me, and she's my little rescue, but she's a tea carrier. Anyway, I was looking at her and thinking, how are you taking this? Because we did see something one night, and she woke me up, and she wakes me up most nights, and I really resent it, but I think she's trying to save me. She'll pound me in the middle of the night. She's just little, but she'll... Uh, jump me. She's probably your energy and trying to wake you up or alert you to something that's there. She, she's trying to tell. She did. She succeeded, and I did see something one time. And all I could do was just grab her and hide under the cover. That's all we did. So she is alerting me, but this is. But I get abducted all the time. You know, I'm. Uh, I was just. I was talking to Steve Coburn about it. I said, you know, Steve. I thought, well. You know why are they? Uh, you know, I'm not. They're not taking babies anymore. What What do they want with me? He said, Well, they'll never let up on you because they're following you and your DNA code. You know, forever. Went, oh, great, thanks. Yeah, anyway, again, they don't even interact with me now the way they used to. They interact with me now in a totally different way than they used to. So, you know, it really has a lot to do with evolving consciously too. It does. Yes, it does. When you get over the fear of the whole thing and you, you know, really participate with them on a common ground, it really does change the entire scenario, um, the purpose just, of it all. I don't all. see and myself exactly working with that so far. I mean, you can find it all you want. It's not going to be... Yeah, that's what I, that's what I it's do. It's got to be I, a, I don't. Go ahead, Pam. Huh? Uh, go ahead, because I, I was just trying to say is that, you know, I can't help myself. I have an instant reaction as fight or flight. You know, if I can't run, I hide or, or fight. Really? Are you still that way, Char? Unfortunately, yes, and this has been going on since I was very little. All right. Well, maybe it's time we have a talk about that, because I've helped a lot of people get to the other side of that. I, I really resist the whole thing. That's what Starboard support does, though, all right? I have all the tools necessary to get you over that. I mean, if I can do it, so can you. So so can a lot of people, and other people have. You know, Audrey and Debbie, 
are over it, I mean, to a point, but, you know, you just always walk around with that, you know, looking over your shoulder a little bit more than the next guy. It's just the way it is. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. It just makes me a little bit more leery and, you know, uh, you know, it would be nice to just have one night's sleep. So you mentioned that you don't sleep. So what do you think about that? What is A lot of us have it. We don't sleep. But it also makes you self-aware when you think about it because how can you not pay attention? You're constantly in hypertension mode. You know, yeah. you're always like wondering or is it this or that? You know, you're obsessed with it and then you're worried about it happening again. Um, there's just so much that involves in it that trying to live an everyday normal life while it's happening to you, especially if you've had an incident, uh, you can't just get up and go to school and pretend like nothing just happened because, you know, you... It's hard to uh, focus. There's a lot of distractions um, when that's happening. Yeah. So. I think um, what a lot of us have done is put it, like, aside. Like, that's my other reality. I have this reality, the day in the life, the work-a-day world, go to work, do your meetings, go to church, go do all that, and then there's this other side of things that, you know, is stressful. And life is, not in general, stressful, but... I also think uh, they have picked some pretty tough people because we both we all seem to be very resilient. You know, resiliency is part of what makes us. We bounce back. Yes, I think they that they know that some of what we have is emotional intelligence. Um, I think that is very important to them. That emotional intelligence, they are after that for sure. That empathy and that emotional energy. Some of us are able to really express, um, and we don't fear our emotions. We don't we try not to overreact unless it's, you know, in our eyes, really warranted. But we try to really pick our battles. And if we are battling on anything, it's usually very important to us. We don't like doing battle, all right? But, you know, sometimes you've got to pick up the sword. You do. And I feel yeah. it's important when to know to do that and when not to. But when you really believe in something, you got to fight for it. If you don't, you're never going to get it, you know? So, I don't know. I was just always raised as a warrior, willful spirit that way, that nobody's going to tell me that I'm not going to do something or that I'm not going to have something, you know? If I'm determined that I feel like it's really aligned with me and it's a part of my dreams or whatever, um, I'm going to keep pursuing it until uh, spirit shows me that I'm just barking up a you know, dead tree or something. Really, because, you know, that's happened to me in the past where no matter how hard I tried to get something off the ground or, you know, start up a business doing this or that way back in the past, it wasn't really totally aligned with me. The world wasn't ready for it at the time. It wasn't really moving, going anywhere like it is now, all right? So when you're after right. 30 years, back in the day, the Reiki, nobody knew what it was. But I've been doing it 21 years, but even we couldn't even do it in hospitals back then. They wouldn't let us work on patients. Um, only the staff, um, and now we're all over hospitals. We are pre- and post-op surgery, mostly, and then we definitely are volunteering in hospitals all over Maine to go in and reiki people that are in the hospital for any reason, if they don't have an infectious disease or anything like that, you know, so. Right. So do you have, because we just have just a few minutes left, do you, do you have a, a message let people know where to contact you once again? And uh, any future event that you'd like to promote or anything in your show, just tell us uh, tell us how to contact you and things like that. 
Okay, well, um, I've been doing a lot of media work lately, and I feel like getting the word out to larger amounts of people is going to be part of the future. I am beginning my first book. It's been in my head forever, but um, it's kind of book where there's a lot of research involved in it, so I have to, it might take a while uh, going back to some of my sources and, you know, naming those sources over time. Um, I'm going to have to look into some of that stuff, but uh, all the information is in my head. A lot of it's experiential. Um, I half expect, as I'm writing the book itself, that some channeled material will come through. I am almost guarantee it will, because um, I do a lot of remote writing, I'll just be writing, and then stuff will just flow through me, and it's not even something I'm thinking about. It just kind of goes in a new direction or whatever. And that's another thing you might not know, Shark, but uh, I have an associate's degree in journalism because I've always loved writing and reading and um, love to read, love to learn, love to teach other people and pass on information and tell people the importance of learning and reading. I feel like it's just, if you, you know, knowledge is power. If you don't know what's going on, you certainly can't prepare for anything. You just can't get ready for anything. If you have no idea, if you're being, like, duped on the surface and you think life is normal or it looks that way, you know, you, sometimes knowledge, it, it gives you in a level of empowerment that maybe others wouldn't have if something comes down and you already knew about it and you already knew how to prepare for it. Uh, let's face it, preparation, sustainability, not a bad idea right now. The more you can do to secure your own self and your land and your peeps is not a bad idea. Um, you just never know where the economy is going to go, and I think it's going further south. Now, before we get off the air, you asked me about predictions. One of the things I do yeah. see coming in 2015 is I really believe we're going to get the major beginning stages, finally, of disclosure. I said it last year that I said not this year, next year in 2015, and I'm sticking to it. Now, beyond that, I think we're getting a new monetary system in 2015, again, at least the stages of it. We may not be looking at an IRS the same way we've always known it to be. I think there's going to be a lot of revamping in um, the financial systems. And, you know, I've heard a lot of rumors about going to everything being chipped in a card and there will be no cash and this and that. And I don't think I believe that so much. I think it might be one of the ways that people choose to pay for things and not deal with cash if they don't want to. The same way people have card, uh, credit cards and checkbooks and never use cash anymore. Um, whatever. I think there's going to always be options, like there always has been. Um, but I do think that the days of the Federal Reserve uh, being able to steal and skim money and funnel money and do all the dirty things they've been doing uh, will come to an end because I think the money that we do have will be backed by gold and silver, platinum, and maybe diamonds, maybe you know, adding some other really valuable things out there to make our money worth something again because it hasn't been for a long time. Well, well, you know, you're right because uh, I've been really following Scotland and they are sticking with the pound sterling. They're moving yeah. away from what everybody else is doing. And uh, the Scottish are, I have Scottish on my dad's side. They're pretty stubborn, so they're going to stick with it, and they're going to stay with the sterling, and I'm very proud of them. So I agree with you. I think that going back to that, being uh, the, having things backed by, by sterling and gold is something that we can count on, something we can count on, you know, uh, 
for a lot of people, the young people coming coming up, they are not going to even know what we're talking about. You know, that's when I feel that we're going to be losing some of that kind of thing, the monetary yeah. thing, and that it will be on a card. So it goes either way, but, you know, we can always uh, barter. <laughs> the good old barter yeah. system. <laughs> if everything crashes, because people have been talking about that, we just talk amongst ourselves. You know, and I talk in my groups. I'm a counselor. And uh, we talk about things that we talk about everything. We talk about the monetary system. But if it crashes, we're all going to do trade. We'll go back to the original system of my, uh, of uh, bartering. You know, because it yeah, always exist. And America is pretty damn yeah, tough. Yeah. And we're going to stay. We're going to stick. We're going to fight. It's going to be all right. And just, but the thing is, is that I think we should. Uh, try to save our own personal relationships with our families and stuff like that. I think we should work on our personal relationship with ourselves. That's the way I feel, too. Yeah, but, and I believe that answer. people will be a little bit more community-oriented than they have been. They exactly. They so about their own self that they have to start thinking about everybody else. Everybody else matters. You know, it isn't about you only. So I think that we have a lot of very self-absorbed, um, fearful people more than ever that are hoarding, they're afraid to share their resources. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just I just feel like, you know, when times are tough, everybody's got to pull together and help each other. That's the only way it's ever, ever gotten done in the past. So, right. My dreams have told me work. not to hoard. My dreams have said actually the opposite. Just get what you need and say what you need. But helping others is really what's going to save you. It's not hoarding. It's like the opposite has been coming in my dreams. No. So I just got that one uh, package thing. Like there's one like immediate thing that will last you about 10 days. That's all I have. Uh-huh. I don't have, and I have a few gallons of water, and I don't hoard anything. So just keep it, keep it moving, keep things going. But, Pam, it's been a wonderful night. You're just so intelligent and informative, and it's been great having you on, and you're welcome back anytime. Well, thank you. I absolutely enjoyed it. And before I go off the air, I'm chuckling over here about your hoarding comment. Because in wow. my house, with my two teeth, I got a 16-year-old and a 23-year-old living here, and there's no such thing as hoarding food. It doesn't stay in the house for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it doesn't no even make it to the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> so How I deal with it is to get 20 eggs. <laughs> I know how to deal yeah. with these kids. You got twenty eggs, you gotta get potatoes and you gotta get tortillas and beans. And then you can eat all they want. So <laughs> that's how you deal with them. Well so God bless you and yours and love you very much and thank you that's so much true. for being thank on Pam. We've really, really enjoyed this and thank you and have a wonderful evening. And take all care. Right. Good night. Say good night. So this is good night. It's just been a just a wonderful evening we spent with Pam talking about everything under the sun. I want to thank everybody in chat and those who called in and went back to chat and they came back. And I just think you're the absolutely one of the most wonderfulest people on the planet. And I love you guys very much. And I want to tell to my listeners, I just want to tell you that everything's going to be okay. Expect a miracle. Don't give up no matter what. And uh, follow the links to contact me. You can message me if you would like to be part of our show for general help and assistance. Of course, you know you can write me snail mail, but you never will. So write me, Star McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. Because that's him in California. So anyway, God bless you all. And remember, the paranormal sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. So tell your family and friends about us. And we recommend us to everybody. And we'll be here same time next week. Steve Allen. 
of the Texas Lights is going to be our special profound guest next week. So God bless you. See you all later, Gators. Love you. <laughs>